Electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. Bring in show music, please. This is Squawk Pod, the daily podcast brought to you by the team behind Squawk Box. NYC, this is CNBC Control 2. CNBC's essential morning show. PCR 2. Every day, get the best stories, debate, and analysis from the biggest names in business and politics. All right, we're coming to it next. Today, Mark Zuckerberg faces questions from Congress. We'll hear from Lance Gooden, a committee member who participated in the Facebook CEO's hearing. Some of it was a general airing of grievances by members from both sides of the aisle. And investor Michael Novogratz on the American dream hitting the campaign trail. We have a wealth gap in our country that just doesn't make sense anymore. 60% of America can't afford a $5,000 hiccup. We've got those stories and much more. Tesla... Today proved out, you don't want to short Elon Musk, you don't want to short big ideas. Amazon and bringing germs into the office. <clears throat> Joe. I'm CNBC producer Katie Kramer. It's Thursday, October 24th. Squawk Pod begins right now. Stand back you by in three, two, one, cue please. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Squawk Box here on CNBC. We are live from the NASDAQ market site in Times Square. I'm Becky Quick, along with Joe Kernan and Andrew Ross Sorkin. The big uh, corporate news story of the morning. Take a look at what's happening to Tesla shares right now because they are soaring. That company reported a surprise profit in the third quarter, earning $1.86 per share versus an expected loss of $0.42 per share. Tesla says it's on track now to deliver more than 360,000 vehicles this year. And then, and this may have also helped pop that stock, the company saying it is now ahead of schedule with its new Gigafactory in Shanghai. It's also ahead of schedule on its long-awaited Model Y crossover vehicle, it said, and expects that launch by next summer. Here's what CEO Elon Musk said on the conference call on demand for electric vehicles. When flat screens came out, there was a, a big step change in demand because now getting a big flat screen TV was much, much better than having um, a, a small CRT TV. And I think we'll see the same thing with electric vehicles, which is that the, instead of just people just buying a car just because the, 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 their last car wore out, they'll, they'll buy an electric car because it's a fundamentally better car. So uh, big surprise for investors, both on the numbers themselves, but uh, to a large degree on the prediction of when Uh, This uh, Model Y will come and also when this uh, Shanghai factory will be on board, of course. um, And it's worth saying because uh, it's happened so many times. And Elon Musk has said it himself before. Uh, He has offered projections that have uh, been, uh, let's call it out there, uh, ahead of uh, schedule. And sometimes uh, when when you're dreaming big, maybe you uh, dream too big. Uh, we're going to uh, have an analyst join us right now to talk about all of this. Craig Irwin, senior research analyst at Roth Capital, uh, is now at the table. Good morning to you. Uh, you saw these numbers. By default, the numbers are, are, are very, very good. Very, this is an excellent positive. quarter. They, they operationally did a great job. The question I have is you're looking at the stock popping. I don't know if it's so much the numbers themselves in terms of demand, which is part of the story, so much as him saying the Shanghai factory is going to be on, uh, on board much quicker than people thought. You had the Model Y issue. 
or at least him telling everybody yeah. that it's coming. He's made proclamations about things coming that have taken a lot longer in the past. Yeah, they, they basically got to invent their own milestones um, and plant the goalposts where they choose a lot of the time. Do you still think it's an electric vehicle to electric vehicle competition? Because the way Elon Musk speaks about it, you would think that it's about converting the unconverted to buy an electric vehicle. And I think that's part of the story. But I also think, I would imagine, and I've heard him also say that a huge percentage of the people who buy a Tesla yeah. are buying a Tesla because they think it's cool, and it's that or buying a BMW with, uh, you know, fuel in it. But both, both sides are actually fair arguments, right? EV versus EV. If someone wants an EV, um, you know, a Tesla is, you know, one of the most compelling choices right now. Um, most of these buyers are premium vehicle buyers from the first place. Right. So there are people being pulled into the pool. Um, and I expect that, that pool to continue growing. So, you know, you're, you're going to see benefits from both sides in the EV market as it continues to roll. Hey, Craig, how, how should we look at China with the new factoring opening there? Because they are looking at that as a huge advantage, uh, given how much they can manufacture the cars for there and then turn around and sell them. What, what do you think? Yeah, the, the, the recent volatility with the, uh, the trade spat has me maybe back off a little bit. You know, when I came back from China this summer, I was thinking 25 to 30,000 uh, vehicles is actually a pretty, pretty good number for this year. Mm-hmm. Um, just looking at what's happened with the NBA and some of the other things externally, um, American brands don't necessarily translate into that momentum they should. Mm-hmm. So um, Elon's doing an impeccable job managing the Chinese relationship, managing expectations there. Um, but let's call it a little bit uncertain right now. We, ha- we have to really see how it rolls, how it, how it moves forward. Um, I do expect manufacturing there to, uh, to ramp smoothly, though, in the, in, the, in the beginning. And, I mean, that's maybe the difference with some of these companies. We had the Honeywell CEO on yesterday, and the reason that they have not been more impacted is because they make things locally, and they use local employees, local offices. Is, uh, I think it's probably still a tricky line to walk if you are an American-based company and you don't want to offend your home office with some of these things. But There's merit to that, um, but Tesla's culture, right, is to um, uh, overhire at the front end of their production and then uh, cut the headcount. And that, that kind of <laughs> that thing doesn't, doesn't fly well. in China. Right. It's, it's not taken very well. Right. So there, there will need to be some cultural accommodations. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, you know, there, 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 there has been a tone-deaf... Um, Uh, management style at the company in the past. We're going to leave the conversation there, Craig. Thank you. Thank you. Democratic senators are asking the FTC to investigate Amazon over concerns the company ignored security warnings about a vulnerability that enabled Capital One to be hacked. This according to the Wall Street Journal in a letter to the FTC Senator Ron Watt and Elizabeth Warren said Amazon failed to protect its customers from a known security issue where Capital One stored information on Amazon's cloud. Now, the senators want the FTC to review whether the company's failure to address the issue should be classified as an unfair business practice that violates federal regulations. And it's an interesting situation because when this first happened with Capital One, all the focus was on Capital Capital One. One. Did they have the right, you know, did they have the right security there was a real effort to sort of push it all into a Capital One story. If you remember, though, uh, one of the, the, the hacker um, had worked with Amazon, at, at, at Amazon on the cloud. And so then there was this other question. Is the, is the cloud itself 
and AWS. Right. And by the way, Google has its own cloud. And yeah. At the Microsoft time, Amazon got, Amazon got a pass, and we blamed Capital One for not having the right, right firewall. Or and so the question is sort of where do these things land? It's never black and white. It's always gray, and it's somewhere probably in the middle. Did you see the story on the front page of the Wall Street Journal today, too? Which one? Uh, Amazon sells clothes from factories that other stores shun. They go into that yes. deadly 2013 yep. Bangladesh factory uh, collapse that killed about 1,100 people. Um, a lot of major U.S. retailers at the time uh, signed off saying that they would stop selling clothing from factories that violated safety standards. Amazon wasn't one of them. Right. And, in fact, uh, they, the journal was able to track down a, a yellow toddler top and find that it was uh, done in a factory in Bangladesh that has no fire alarms. The doors are a type managers can lock and keep the workers in. And some of the workers there say that they're not allowed out until they finish their daily. Look, the Wall Street Journal has done some amazing work recently to yeah. also show that Amazon, through the marketplace, and I don't know if right. it's all through the marketplace or not, is selling baby formula that's, that's old, um, all, sort, all sorts of standard, products that typically wouldn't be. And that, and that they be, don't police it the same and they don't way that a retailer it. does. Yeah. Exactly. Um, same, but, it's the same Facebook issue. What's well, the same yeah, are you, issue? Are you, are you are responsible you for what's sold on your platform? Are you yeah. able to? By the way, I, and, and, and I, I don't want to uh, cast aspersions. Walmart also has a marketplace on its site. I don't know how well that's policed. There, there are things on there that I know that they're constantly taking down that they wish wasn't up there. So, but I know when you walk into a store, a, 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 a bricks-and-mortar store, you feel like you are getting yes. something that has been checked off, signed off on. And, and, 100%. And that is where the questions come back up. Do you ever come into work when you're feeling a little bit under the weather? If so, you're not alone. There's a new survey out that finds that 90% of employees admit to sometimes coming in to the office with cold or flu symptoms. Roughly a third of that group said that they always come into work regardless of their health. <clears throat> Joe. A majority of those interviewed said it's because they have too much work on their plate. Mm -hmm. Others said that they don't want to use their sick time, at least not for being sick. Save that for something better. don't have better. sick time, really. Yeah, you do. Are you kidding? You do. Yes, you do. Well, you have a certain amount of days. You've got a certain amount of sick days. coming in here sick yes. all the time what, just because I have, you don't want to lose your sick days. You have sick days. I don't, I don't remember the last 20 time. 20 years on this show. I, you know, I'm not going to say it because it'll, I'll jinx it, but I don't even remember the last time. That I told you, get some animals in your house. Kiss them in too the morning. Late, you you are morning. exposed to every single thing. It's too late for me. You should see what they do. I mean, believe me. Same. <laughs> what and they eat you, and what they what lick. They aim, what they eat and if you just, you get, your immune system is like supercharged. That's too late for me. No, it's not. I don't think it is. I don't De think. I thought you were thinking. About, you really flower. are. I, but I thought you were thinking about a, a, a dog. I can I, help you. I know. Well, to be continued. The cities where this is most common, coming in when you don't feel well, Charlotte, North Carolina, and Miami, Florida. That's interesting. How Why many sick days do we get? I don't know. Maybe a couple of weeks. I don't know. No. You get really? If you're really sick. You're I don't really want to not come in. Well, if you're vomiting, stay home. I don't vomit. When not anymore. <laughs> Coming up, policing politics on Facebook. Can it be done? Congressman Lance Gooden, a member of the committee that questioned Mark Zuckerberg, joins us. The United States Postal Service, they deliver a political mailing no matter what it says. You put a stamp on that thing, it doesn't have to be factual. So why does Facebook have to be the police of our elections? Squawk Pod. We'll be right back. What's on the horizon for financial markets? At PGIM, it's a question that over 1,400 investment professionals relentlessly research in pursuit of your long-term goals. Specialized across asset classes, but united in collaboration, our teams provide global and local expertise. Our investments shape tomorrow, today. 
Pursue your tomorrow with PGIM, a leading global asset manager. Welcome back to Squawk Pod. Facebook CEO Mark Zuckerberg testified before the House Financial Services Committee on Wednesday in a marathon six-hour hearing. Now, he took a lot of heat from both sides of the aisle, and he did admit that Facebook has made a lot of mistakes. But Zuckerberg also insisted that the 2.4 billion Facebook users can still trust his company. Every day, billions of people come to our services because they trust that they can share uh, content messages, photos, comments uh, with the people they care about. And more than 100 billion times a day, people do that. They, they share something with a set of people because they know that that content is just going to reach the people that they want it to. The hearing was supposed to be centered on Facebook's role in Libra, its planned cryptocurrency. When asked, Zuckerberg cast the project as a key element of competition for global financial dominance between the U.S. and China. But not everyone bought what he was selling. Democratic Congresswoman Ayanna Pressley grilled Zuckerberg on his personal commitment to Libra. Would you leave behind your children's inheritance in Libra? Uh, Congresswoman... Do you believe in what you're building? Yes, I, I do. And, and Would you leave behind your children's inheritance in Libra? I think it's a fair question because I, I think it's, it's you've fair. proven that we cannot trust you with our emails, with our phone numbers. Another House Financial Services committee member and our next guest pressed Zuckerberg on Facebook's choice to establish the project's charter in Switzerland instead of in the United States. This is Republican Congressman Lance Gooden's exchange with Zuckerberg during the hearing. Why not bring this to the United States, even if it means saying we tried this, we couldn't get our fellow Americans, we couldn't get Congress on board, uh, but we think we'll have more success here at home? We've talked at length today about some of the reasons why it it might make sense to headquarter an international association in the place that a lot of other international associations are headquartered, but I wouldn't take away from that that this isn't Um, still going to be an American innovation that is extending America's financial leadership around the world. Here's freshman Congressman Lance Gooden today on Squawk Box. Congressman, it's good to see you. Thank you for joining us today. Thank you. Good morning. What did you think of Mark Zuckerberg's testimony yesterday? Well, let me start positively. I think Mark Zuckerberg's a nice guy. I think he was calm, cool, and collected in a sometimes hostile environment, and he overall did a good job considering uh, now to, to the actual subject matter, this was supposed to be about cryptocurrency, and it was, but some of it was a general airing of grievances by members from both sides of the aisle. And at, sometimes, uh, at times it got a little out of hand, but I think members walked away from there not feeling a whole lot better uh, with this cryptocurrency plan that Facebook has. Uh, but one thing I was encouraged about was Mr. Zuckerberg's uh, decision or his statement that if U.S. regulators don't get on board, that they will pull out of the association. That was encouraging, but my message was, if this is the future, if America needs to be on the front lines of innovation, then let's bring this home. Let's have this based in the United States. I implored him to consider it, and I think he will consider it, but they seem to really be um, moving toward the direction of Switzerland, and I, I don't think members of the committee will get on board as long as that's the case. Chairwoman Maxine Waters brought up the idea of breaking up Facebook again yesterday. Given the company's size and reach, it should be clear why we have serious concerns about your plans to establish a global digital currency that would challenge the U.S. dollar. In fact, you have opened up a serious discussion about whether Facebook should be broken up. 
What do you think about that? And what do you hear uh, from people on both sides of the aisle there concerning that? You know, that's something that Chairwoman Waters is really big on. Uh, obviously, you're hearing things like that from presidential candidates like Elizabeth Warren. I don't, uh, I don't particularly uh, think that Republicans will be pushing for something like that. Uh, but I think Facebook has uh, become a victim of their own successes. They're now dealing with problems that they had not imagined yesterday. My colleague from New York, Representative Ocasio-Cortez, was asking questions um, about their, privacy, their uh, policy to uh, permit ads that may or may, may not be factual. And she yeah. asked questions like if, if an ad uh, is run in a district that targets minorities of a certain age and says that an election date is on the wrong date uh, in an effort to uh, convince people not to vote in an election and suppress turnout, is that allowed because it's a candidate running it? Uh, he didn't have answers for those. Would I be able to run advertisements on Facebook targeting Republicans in primary saying that they voted for the Green New Deal? I mean, if you're not fact-checking political advertisements, I'm just trying to understand the, the bounds here. What's fair game? I, uh, I don't know the answer to that off the top of my head. I think So you probably. don't know if I'll be able to do that? They're so big uh, that they're dealing with things that they've never dealt with before. But to his credit, I think that his intentions are good. I think that it really does trouble him uh, that Facebook has gotten a bad rap. And I, I think that... Mark Zuckerberg is a great face of Facebook, and I think that. But Congressman, uh, what do you think the answer should be? Make this right. For example, on the issue we that you could just talk raised. All, okay, on the issue that I just raised, we can't get into the. It's, that's a problem, and he said that particular issue was a problem. But then a, right. a follow-up question was, what if I run ads in someone else's district, yep. um, lying about a candidate? Is that okay because I'm a candidate? I think the answer is Facebook cannot police our political system. The United States Postal Services. They deliver a political mailing no matter what it says. You put a stamp on that thing, it doesn't have to be factual. So why does Facebook have to be the police of our elections? Um, we oh, could have a discussion so. all day and we'd find ourselves talking about things that we so don't really have answers for. Uh, because at the same time, not, would you be in favor of, of Mark Zuckerberg stopping you, for example, if you, were to, uh, if you were to advertise the wrong date for the election, for example? I would not be in favor of Mark Zuckerberg or anyone at Facebook policing me. If I tell a lie, which I would never do, uh, the people are going to hear about it from my opponent. That's kind of how this system works. If Elizabeth Warren says something that Joe Biden doesn't think is true, he's going to call her out on it and let the people decide. Um, but you do get into difficult uh, situations like those that uh, my colleague from New York was describing that I don't have a great answer for. And I think if you get into the business of policing political speech, then when does it stop? What do you think the real movement in Washington is going to be on that? You, you, you have that opinion, but there are a lot of people who think that Facebook is playing a much bigger role at this point. I think Zuckerberg himself admitted that they are more than just a posting board. Where do you see this headed? Because this may be things that they haven't considered, but we are talking about being three years after the last election when they got a pretty big wake-up call. Right. I, I think you will continue to see problems. I think there will continue to be unhappy parties. Um, it, it's shocking to me that someone who I suspect is politi his politics are pretty progressive, uh, a group from Silicon Valley flies out to Washington and the Democrats are most hostile. Uh, that's because what I'm seeing is uh, my colleagues across the aisle especially angry. But when I come back home to my conservative Republican district, my constituents don't like Facebook either for yeah. some of the same but perhaps different reasons. So they've got a lot of problems. I don't know the answer. Uh, but when you hear people like Maxine Waters uh, saying, let's break up the company, 
Um, and then you start to wonder why, if they've got this, these many issues, uh, mm-hmm. are they pursuing this cryptocurrency project yeah. that just seems totally uh, off base? Right? It's not if if the if the intention is to distract from other problems. I don't think that that worked yesterday. I don't know that that was the the, the, the thought. I think they really wanted to do this project. But when you have both sides of the aisle, people yeah. on both sides of the aisle, so angry. Uh, look, do you think Facebook influenced the election last time around? I don't know that Facebook influenced the election any more than anything else. Facebook is a tool that I used uh, to influence voters in my uh, district, in my campaign. But um, did you buy fake ads or did you buy, what, what, pe- what type of I, ads did you buy? I, I, I ran ads encouraging people to come out and vote and telling people why I was the better candidate. And I think for the most part, that's what happens. Uh, but, you know, when you've got Russian bots uh, running ads, uh, which I think Facebook seems to be spending a lot of money on identifying uh, issues such as that. But Do you want them identifying those? Do you want them identifying those bots? Absolutely. Nefarious actors need to be identified. Um, but I, I think you get into a, a difficult situation when you have actual declared candidates like myself, like Ms. Ocasio-Cortez, who then are uh, being censored by Facebook. I don't mm-hmm. want Facebook or their board or whoever's monitoring what I'm running to tell me that I can't run something because they disagree with their their let's say that uh, the gun control debate mm-hmm. their their beliefs on the one side that I don't share does that mean that they're liars because right. they're saying something that I don't believe is true right. um, using that argument then Facebook shouldn't run their ads so I think it gets it gets difficult and but what do you do I for example th- there for are people who, who write on on Facebook that Sandy Hook never happened that Parkland never happened, for example, that it's a hoax. If that's a political candidate, should Facebook be policing that? The answer is I don't know. Uh, there were questions yesterday. Rashida Tlaib asked a question um, about armed uh, men outside of mosques, uh, uh, people who are inciting hate speech. I want to refer to a photo uh, up on the monitor right now showing a man holding a rifle outside of a mosque, intimidating fellow Americans. Mr. Zuckerberg, yes or no, does this meet your community standards? Uh, Congresswoman, I'm not sure I'm in a position right now to uh, evaluate uh, any given post against all of the different standards that we have. Does Facebook ever solve that problem? Do they ever get all of these uh, these people that are... uh, inciting uh, hate and violence, do they ever get all of them taken down? Uh, at what point does political speech uh, mean that you're uh, free to say whatever you're free to say? I, I don't know. I don't think that there is an answer to this question, but I also don't believe that either side of the aisle is ever going to be really happy with what they come up with. Congressman Gooden, want to thank you for your time today. Thank you. Next on Squawk Pod, investor and hedge fund manager Michael Novogratz says, billionaires, you aren't victims. This is all uh, a reaction to where the country is, right? Just like Donald Trump. Back after this. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. So you need a business partner just like you. Like FedEx, who understands your passion for serving your customers because they have the same commitment towards you. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. What's more, FedEx Ground is faster to more locations than UPS Ground. Trust FedEx for timely deliveries. See what FedEx can do for your business. 
absolutely, positively FedEx. Support for this program is provided by Chevron. Methane management is a critical part of achieving a lower carbon future. Chevron is taking action to keep methane in the pipe. Their 2028 upstream methane intensity target is set to be 53% below the 2016 baseline. They're committed to evolving facility designs and operating practices. And they've trialed over 13 advanced detection technologies, including drones and satellites. That's energy in progress. Learn more at chevron.com slash methane. Stand by, Joe. Three, two, one. His mic. Here. Good morning and welcome back to Squawk Box here on CNBC Live from the Nasdaq Market Site in Times Square. I'm Joe Kernan, along with Becky Quick and Andrew Ross Sorkin. You're listening to Squawk Pod, taking you behind the sounds of Squawk Box on CNBC, and in this case, wardrobe. You gotta see this. Our guest host this hour, Galaxy Digital CEO no less. and Chairman Mike Novogratz. Is that new or, or is that, it an antique or so? I mean you, you know, I was in the army a long, long time ago, <laughs> so this is an homage to those days. But it's new. But it looks like an ant- it's got looks like it has unforgeable value. You don't That's like Bitcoin. Thing. You got to pay extra <laughs> for that. It's yeah. unique. It's a I unique item. Uh, all right. And, and last time you were on, you were a little bit too uh, conventional. I think was was you, you're right. And now you're you are stepping out. I got to come back. And we're all benefiting. back to my roots. Right. And we're all benefiting from it. Mike Novogratz was one of the first advocates for cryptocurrency. He's still such a bull that he started Galaxy Digital, a merchant bank devoted to institutionalizing digital assets and the technology behind them. But before that, he was a partner at Goldman Sachs for over a decade, and he led Fortress, a big hedge fund on Wall Street. He's also served on the board of the New York Fed's Investment Advisory Committee. And yes, today he was wearing a camouflage print blazer on set. Novogratz joined Joe, Becky, and Andrew for an hour today on Squawk Box. Here on the podcast, we've teased out the highlights of that conversation, starting with Tesla topping expectations. Last time or the time before I was on here, there was a bunch of talk about Tesla, and I hadn't really done my homework coming into it. I said, don't short Elon Musk. You don't want to short Elon Musk, you don't want to short big ideas. And I think today proved out, you don't want to short Elon Musk, you don't want to short big ideas. But when uh, you, I mean, here's, here's the question. These, this is a story stock. Part of the reason the stock is moving the way it is is because he has now reset expectations about when this Shanghai plant's going to come on, uh, factory's going to come on board, when this Model Y is going to come on board. Historically, he hasn't hit the deadlines that he puts out there. And yet, and so what you see oftentimes is the stock moves on the announcement that something's happening on a specific date and then turns around and goes south when he doesn't get the, when he doesn't nail the date. Yeah, but, but if you look at the broad trajectory of what he's doing, he is building a world-class company with the best cars on the road. Uh, and so, yes, he overpromises and maybe underdelivers a little bit and then overpromises and underdelivers. Right. But the trajectory is in the right direction. You're not a Twitter uh, shareholder, but you're definitely a Twitter user because I see you uh, <laughs> quite prolifically. Do you have a take on this company? And why, why don't you own it? It's a good question. I use it so darn much. Uh, I probably should own it. Uh, I don't know. Carlos, or maybe not. Do you have your own name? Are you Pierre Delecto? Or who are, who are you? <laughs> He's himself. No, I'm you're yourself. Okay. I'm myself. Are you I, sure you're yourself? Maybe someone else is you. There are a lot of fake knees out there. <laughs> are there? It's amazing how many... Uh, I know. I have Joe Kernan's hair. That's sure. my favorite. Uh, I don't have a great you know, reason not to be, be long this stock. Uh, I spent most of my life in macro, and once in a while I get involved in stocks. In this sort of space and world, do you, do you play on an, on an individual basis? L- listen, on the, on the privates, there's a, there's a lot of nervousness going on right now, right?
right? I mean, I've kind of marked my private's portfolio down 25% just because. Just because, uh, across just, the board. Well, if you think about the two big winners, right, Juul and, and uh, WeWork, right. WeWork goes down 75%, 85% on what looks to be a complete and total breakdown of go- corporate governance, like no corporate governance. Uh, and Juul, you know, everyone knew there was FDA risk with Juul, and man, it hit them right in the, right in the jaw. And so if you think about the, the market cap of the private portfolio, that's a whole lot of money coming out of it. I think it's got people nervous about the rest of the, the valuations. And what do you think about the rest of the valuations? I think, listen, you know, I was at a dinner with some really bright guys, and there was a big debate on this. And I think for a while they'll go down. Some companies will do well and, and, and will be fine if they have a business plan that really does work. I don't think venture capital money is going away, and I don't think money chasing privates is going away. Privates are so much easier for people to be invested in because they don't get marked to market every day. It's why private equity outperforms public equity. Hmm. Private equity has crushed pri- uh, public equity over the last 20 years. Because you think it's lo- just so much more long-term oriented. It's long-term oriented. Or is it just levered, by the way? It's long-term oriented. It's levered, but it's also not marked to market. So, you know, you don't suffer the volatility. You should suffer the volatility, but no one ever changes their marks. And so private equity now looks really expensive to me relative to public equity, but I'm not sure that's going to change. Are the marks real? I mean, it- The marks aren't real, no. But no one changes it. So if you're an endowment or a pension fund, you sleep much more comfortably. <laughs> you know? But isn't it fake comfort? It is fake comfort. That's okay. People, 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 people. <laughs> and that's what happens. The uh, giants of industry that we think of, they really know how to run companies, and they should get that carried interest tax break because they're so good at what they do. So really, it's just because it's not marked to market. They don't, they, they're no better than anyone else. Well, in the long run, they need to exit to get there. So if you right. have money, you make money. God, Elizabeth Warren might be right, Mike. <laughs> what about, by the way, what about privates in, in the crypto space? So there's so many private companies in the crypto space, Coinbase probably being the biggest of the privates in that space. It is very difficult to mark them. Coinbase, yeah, how do you Coinbase, value these companes? Coinbase's last round was done at, I believe, seven-odd billion dollars when, right. when, when Tiger Global invested. My guess is it's not worth seven billion dollars right now. So what do you think it's worth? No idea. Uh, the and company, how much the is it correlated to the value of Bitcoin, for example? Or how much is it correlated to the value of Ethereum? Or I think it's to the extent cor- the correlated, was going to happen or it, not? It's correlated to the excitement in the space. It's correlated to the market cap of the space. And it's correlated right. to the volumes in the space. If you've listened to Squawk Pod or watched Squawk Box on TV anytime in the last few weeks, you've heard several conversations about the American dream and its feasibility in today's economy. If you haven't heard, I'd recommend going back through our episodes and checking out guests like Leon Cooperman, Darren Walker, and Home Depot founder Ken Langone. It's a topic that also plays pretty big on the campaign trail for the Democrats running for president, where the question of billionaires and even if they should exist or not makes for pretty provocative moments. Let's get back to Joe. Billionaire investor Lee Cooperman told, uh, told us Elizabeth Warren is, in his words, killing the American dream with her wealth tax proposal. Uh, Now Senator Warren is firing back, and Robert Frank joins us with the story. Hey, Robert. Good morning, Joe. Well, it all started last week on Squawk Box when billionaire investor Leon Cooperman called Warren's wealth tax baloney. Stop portraying billionaires as criminals. Our economy would be better off if we had more billionaires. Just tax them. This week, he went even further with Politico's Ben White, telling him, what is wrong with billionaires? You can become a billionaire by developing products and services that people will pay for. I believe a progressive income tax and the rich paying more, but this is the effing American dream, and she is blanking on it. Um, okay, I got it. 
You got right. it? Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I got so it. Let the the yes. Uh, okay. <laughs> Let's get those two words. Yeah, yeah. Right. Now, uh, last night, Warren fired back on Twitter. This is where it's getting good, saying, Leon, you were able to, to succeed because of the opportunities this country gave you. You didn't build that. Now, why don't you pitch in a bit more so everyone else has a chance at the American dream, too? You might remember last time Cooperman got so much attention for defending the wealthy was in 2011 when he sent that open letter to President Obama accusing him of class warfare and creating a gulf between, quote, the downtrodden and those best positioned to help them. People have come to some uh, d- uh, agreement on uh, on higher taxes are the way to go, but maybe not wealth tax. Do you think wealth taxes? I don't think a wealth tax is the way to go, good. to be clear. when I, My comments I made a few nights ago were more like the, the energy of people. Is so we, we so should defensive. just back up a minute for those who aren't fair. So, Mike, you have become, you've blown up on the web because of a line that you said viral. went viral saying that, look, billionaires, you're not victims. You're the luckiest people in the world. People, people took that to mean that you were pro-Warren, but what they didn't read was the second part of your comments, which was initially when you heard about her campaign, you felt she was divisive. You said, quote, you're not, how are you going to heal the country by saying all rich people cheated? So where do you come down on her overall agenda? Listen, I think she's pivoting. I think she could win the election because she's smart, she's winning, she seems to be the best candidate on the stump. She's not my top choice. Uh, and so... Uh, she is pivoting. I think her recent language is a lot softer than all billionaires cheat. My, my point was LeBron James just seems to be better at basketball than everybody else. I don't think he's cheating. Uh, and so, uh, but I do think if you step back, you know, for 40 years, the rich have been getting richer uh, for lots of reasons, not because they're cheating. There's lots of structural reasons. And we have a wealth gap in our country that just doesn't make sense anymore. 60% of America can't afford a $5,000 uh, hiccup, or even a five hundred dollar hiccup, yeah. and so we need we need better taxation. Uh, people complain during Obama administration they're going to kill us with taxes. Yet eight years and the rich got richer. Not one of my friends' net worth went down; uh, it went up. But 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 look, Leon Cooperman is the son of a plumber from the Bronx. He was the first kid in his family to go to college. I mean, he really is the American dream. And this idea that because you're a billionaire, a you're the reason so many people are hurting. And B, therefore, you can't have a voice because once you say anything in this environment, just because you're a billionaire, you're discredited. Well, that's, that's, do you think, do that's, you think Leon's right or is Elizabeth Warren well, that, right? That's rubbish. I mean, listen, there's lots of billionaires with lots of voice, right? I mean, you look, I was with Paul Jones a couple nights ago. He's got a voice and people listen to him and he's got an opinion and I think his opinion But I think the matter. point is that Elizabeth Warren doesn't think he should have a voice. I, you know, I that's think... That's part of And he's issue. helping her. By the way, what he said just galvanized her base, and, and she couldn't have asked for a better foil. This is all uh, a reaction to where the country is, right? Just like Donald Trump, and no one ever thought Donald Trump would be president or could be president, and he touched to this anger in the United States that we've, 60% of people have been left behind. Elizabeth is touching the same base. She's just being a politician. Mike, I don't think it's good. Why, why wouldn't you attribute the, the malaise for the eight years and the wealth disparity growing, why wouldn't you attribute that to overregulation, to... To a, an economy that never really got kicked into high gear, so that you, you didn't get any uh, any wage growth at the bottom. Why? Why, Joe, why go, immediately? Say, what you wanted more redistribution? Joe, you think that would have helped? Go to, go to with, the eight years before that when you had George Bush and the rich got richer versus everybody else, and go to the eight years before that when you oh, had okay. Clinton. Okay, uh, uh, but it, I would still. You, yeah, but you can't just uh, talk about these things in a vacuum and say here's a cause and effect. Uh, to me, 
Because the Fed stayed at zero for so long, everyone, we tried to engender a wealth effect, and the policies were so bad that, that the people right. who had assets... They got marked up, but there was no growth at the bottom. But then the question there, is, do you... But, there's growth, the but now we're starting to see of, it. Now we're starting to see it in terms of wage growth look, at the bottom and in the middle. Look, you're starting you know, to see... I'm not for a wealth tax, but the question is, sure, we did that on the fiscal side. The question is, on the tax side or on the monetary, do, do you try to solve for the if other you, piece but, of it? But I just ask you, if you, want, if you do... We do raise taxes. You don't want to pay down any of the deficit. You just want to expand entitlements even further? Well, well, wealthy people pay, 30, pay, pay 20% less on capital gains and income tax. Okay. Uh, Almost all my income I've made in 20 years was funneled into capital gains. Right. Uh, and so my 21-year average tax rate... something or, or no, self-loathing? I'm not at all. I actually have a whole lot of fun okay. out there. Okay. My, my point is that we should, given that we have a world that's in disequilibrium, yeah. and we have 60% of our population that... I mean, it, one, so do you, one thing you want to do? Redistrib- you just want to redistribute. You we want to move re- it from, or do you, do you have something good to do with the money you're taxing? We should redistribute. We need to redistribute. Just redistribute. Just That's move it way. over to the In other. In a perfect way, I'd redistribute all on a digital wallet. So, because so, I don't think government actually spends money efficiently. So you don't even want to d- improve education or, or opportunity. Do. You don't want to. Why don't you equalize opportunity? Of course, I why do. You, why don't you redistribute opportunity instead of redistributing? Oh, Mike, what do you mean when you say you're opposed to a wealth tax, but you want to redistribute? How would it work? Well, listen, there's it's lots of ways to raise gains. taxes. I would take capital take gains and move it right up to income tax. Right, close the gap. You already get the benefit of of deferred taxes, right? If I buy a stock and hold it for 10 years, I'm not paying tax until I sell it. That's like an so, annuity. So now I'm getting two benefits, right? I'm getting, right. I'm, I'm getting deferring my tax because I'm wealthy enough to hold it that long, right. and I'm getting a much lower tax, tax rate. Tax you don't need the double dip. Compounding. Okay. Yes. Well, that, that's something... You know, so there are, lots that, of ways to, to there are lots of ways to raise taxes to pay for some of these programs that seem to make sense. Uh, that's different than, than uh, Bernie Sanders just capping... Wealth at a billion but dollars. Th- th- I think he's reasonable about it. He's, you mm. know, you look at. They all, they, they and by the way, loophole. Leon Cooperman said the same thing. Yeah. Right. He would be supportive loophole, of bringing right. capital gains to the same rate as. But he doesn't know whether that doesn't win on the campaign trail. Six he, months also, a year. he also says work. Or I was going to say work, work for, for six months. We should be working nine months a year for Uncle Sam and keep the last three. I mean, you're fine. No one, nothing can hurt you, Mike. But some of us still got to try. I don't think we should work more than six months a year. I think if people actually paid fifty percent tax, you'd be shocked at how much more tax. Well, we nobody's all are trying, paying 50 no, Joe, we're Nobody's all paying trying 50% to raise your here. taxes. They're not. Just, so so, that just so I, we're I'm clear. Not, then why would I even be worried about it? That, like you, I'd say that go. That assumes he's yeah. not worth $50 million. Yeah, it assumes I'm not. Don't assume. It makes an ass <laughs> out of you and me. <laughs> That's the show for today. On our rundown tomorrow, Ron Barron, the longtime money manager, has a buy em and hold em strategy. And I mean really hold him. He's owned some of his favorite stocks for about 35 years, and it must be working because he manages about $30 billion today. We'll get his take on the markets. Squawk Box is hosted by Joe Kernan, Becky Quick, and Andrew Ross Sorkin. Tune in weekday mornings on CNBC at 6 a.m. Eastern. To get the smartest takes and analysis from our TV show right into your ears, subscribe to Squawk Pod wherever you get your podcasts. We'll meet you back here tomorrow. We are clear. Thanks, guys. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. FedEx ground service is also faster to more locations than UPS ground. 
See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively, FedEx.